I want to tell you this morning as we get to the message, I, I, I changed the sermon slightly this morning. I didn't change uh, the scripture. I didn't change the topic. I changed the sermon title. Now, I don't often put much focus on a sermon title. I'm not one of those preachers who spends half his week trying to come up with some catchy title that you remember. I don't think that's what gets you to interact with God's Word. But I, I, so I just kind of pick something random. Usually, half the time, you know, I don't even tell you what the title of the message is. We just get into preaching the Word of God. But I changed it this morning for a reason. So this morning, as we continue on our series, 1 Corinthians, we're in part 10. We're calling it The King is Coming. Now, I want to tell you why the message is called this morning, for two reasons. One, it has to do with Scripture, what we're reading this morning, and I'll explain that in, in a moment, but there's a personal reason, too, as well. As, uh, as I told you all earlier, we're obviously dealing um, with kind of the bittersweet of with my grandfather. I mean, we just rejoice that he's home. Um, he just hasn't had that quality of life in the, in the past couple of years, and he is just, if you would, if if you'd catch him on a good day when he would really talk to you, he would tell you that he was ready for the day God would call his name. He wasn't afraid of it. He was ready for it. I mean, he's rejoicing today. He's waited 10 years to see his wife. So it's an awesome day for him. It's a sad day for us. So, but my grandfather loved the song that was to that title. Some of you remember, though, there's the old gospel song by the Gaithers made it real popular called The King is Coming. You remember that song? The king is coming. He, my grandfather, loved that song. Now I sang it for him a couple times. In fact, when his wife, my grandmother, passed away again almost 10 years, 10 years ago next month, um, there at her service, that's the, he said, I want one song, and I want that to be a song. And that meant a lot to him. And I, I just love, you know, in the chorus of that song, the king is coming, the king is coming, praise God, he's coming for me. It's just a, a powerful thought of, man, there is a day, and, and Christ promised it. There is a day that he's coming for us. I mean, it's either going to be the day of rapture where we just suddenly just right there and join life in him, or we will face otherwise the, the end of a physical earthly life, and we'll go to heaven, and we're made for heaven living, and we'll go rejoice that. But the day that he says, I'm coming for you. I mean, that's an awesome day. Now, some of you here this morning, I mean, have that mindset of, I am ready for the day the king comes for me. You're not asking that it comes today. I mean, you're going to rejoice and celebrate every day he gives you, and you're going to enjoy with your family and all the things of this world. You're going to enjoy that, but you're okay when that day comes. You're like, man, I am ready. The king can come and get me. However, there might be some of you who think about that day and have a little bit of tension, a little bit of anxiety. Because you think about what's going to happen on the day when I stand before God and give account of my life. When i got to stand before him and, and build a state whether I had my faith in Jesus or had my faith in my works. I have to stand before God and make account for how I use the talents he gives me. Am I going to, the day the king comes and gets me, is he going to come and say, Greg, welcome home. Good and faithful servant, good job. Come enjoy the reward of your faith and the work of your hands. I mean, that's what's going to, is that what's going to happen to me? Some may be thinking, well, I guess I'm for a guy. When, when God comes and gets me, 
when it's time to stand before the throne, I'm not sure how I'm going to shape up. It's kind of that, we've got to keep in that reminder of the king is coming. In fact, the reason why we're calling that the title of the message this morning is not just because of that was my grandfather's favorite song, but because the scripture we're going to get into as we continue our series in 1 Corinthians, it reminds us of this. We get this idea, this reminder that there is a day that we're going to stand before God and we're going to have to kind of answer, how have we been living? Now, Paul, we're going to see in just a moment. I don't want to get way ahead of me what we're going to read, but I'm just going to tell you, as Paul continues to write to this church, this church has been dealing with so many problems, as we're going to see in the Scripture today, he says, there's a day coming where I'm going to come back to you. Because he'd been there before. He said, I, if the Lord wills, I'm going to come back to you. And he's kind of saying, how am I going to find you on that day? Am I going to have to come with a heavy hand of discipline, or am I going to come and things are going to be better than what you're doing now? I'm coming one day. It's kind of like the wait till daddy gets home. You ever been told that as a child, right? Wait till daddy gets home. You're going to really find out if you're in trouble now. I mean, if, if my boys are acting up and he said, wait till daddy gets home, and they, they get worse. No, they're supposed to get better, but um, no, it, there's that th- thought of there's a day when we're going, dad shows up, the heavenly father shows up, and are we okay with standing before him? Now, I know my life and your life is not perfect, but are you okay by your faith and how you've lived your life, how, lived that faith out? Are you comfortable standing before God? You may be, and praise the Lord if you are, but there's some who aren't. There's some, as we're going to see in this passage, who live arrogantly and don't think about the day I've got to stand before God. Don't, don't care about the day God's going to ask, how did I use the things he gave me? Well, that get us in trouble. So what we're going to look at this morning is we, we're going to go over this passage in 1 Corinthians. We continue on this series. is how Paul's reminding the Corinthians, what are you doing with your time until I come back? Let's look at the scripture this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to finish out the fourth chapter this morning. Verse 14 through verse 21. Let's look at what scripture says for us today. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? I'm going to stop there for this morning and look back at these verses Now, there's two ways to look at this passage this morning. There's kind of the literal, 
face value, kind of what was happening in the life of the Corinthians and what does it apply, how does it apply for you and me in our lives today. There's one way of looking at it, which we're going to spend time on. There's a second way, kind of what's the symbolic meaning, what's the kind of the, the grander thing going on, which we'll look at that too. Two ways to understand, how does this affect you and me? Now again, I want you to notice what Paul said. He called them, as I already told you, he said, you are being arrogant. He said, you are being arrogant people because you act like the things you are doing it will never catch up with you. He says, the ways that you're living, like it's not going to have any effect on you. When you're here, if you're here next Sunday, and I hope you are, we're going to look at one of the ugliest uh, issues going on inside that church. It's going to kind of be in our passage next week. One of the, just the ugliest things that's happening in that church that day, an unhealthy church family. He's saying, you guys are living... Like it's never going to matter. Like it's never going to catch up with you. There's never going to be any consequences. That's arrogance. And he says, I'm going to come back. And I, I've been teaching you things. And I'm going to come back and see if you've been listening. How am I going to find you? Hmm. Now go back. We're going to go back and look at some of the earlier verses we, we read this morning. Because I want you to understand kind of the literal kind of exact face value of what's happening here. Because it's got some good things. We'll put up verse 14. I just want to I can see some of the beginning of this. First of all, I want you to notice this. He says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Now, the reason this is important, if you were here last Sunday, we talked about in the first half of chapter 4, where Paul was kind of, he was pretty hard on them, right? He was saying, you guys are living like retired Christians, like you've already gained heaven, and I'm still here working on earth. You've given up working for God, and you're just trying to take all the benefit and not doing anything else, and it's killing your church. That was what we looked at last week. Now, but look at his comment here. He says, I'm not telling you this. I'm not writing all this to you to make you feel bad. That's not my intention. I don't want to beat you down. I'm telling you to warn you. Now, the reason I want to focus on this verse for just a second is because I was laughing last Sunday as, as some of you were leaving Church, some of you, I noticed, were limping on your way out, and somebody said, man, my toes really got stepped on this morning. You know, I, some of the things in Scripture going, ouch, man, he is talking to me, going, he is telling me all these bad things I've been doing. Well, as I've said before, it's not me coming in here saying, I'm going to tell you folks what you're doing wrong. No, it's we're listening to Scripture. And I always say, if somebody says, Greg, you really were talking to me this morning, I would say, no, that wasn't me talking to you, that's God talking to you. God's doing the convicting, he's doing the speaking, and it's okay if some Sundays we walk out with our toes stepped on and going, ouch, yeah, maybe I haven't been doing such a great job with that. Now, if, if you have experienced that, whether it was last Sunday or another time, we are going, oh, you, you have heard the preacher stand up and say something, you're going, oh, man, he's right. I'm not doing what I should be doing. I want you to know this. It's not, I can't speak for every preacher, but I'll say I'll speak for myself. I'm never up here to shame you. It's never my intention to stand up and say, I can't wait to make Donald Bennett feel bad about himself today. I'm just looking for that opportunity. Brother, oh, man. Okay. No, I wouldn't. We won't do that. I don't want to come up here and shame anybody. I don't want people to do that to me. I don't, I don't want somebody else. I don't want another believer coming and trying to stand in judgment over me and try to say, look how I'm holier than you. No. But sometimes we need the warning voice. And this is what Paul is telling me. He says, I'm trying to out of love because you are, you are my dear children, because I care for you. i got to say truthful things, and sometimes the truth hurts. 
I'm trying to warn you so you stop doing what's wrong. Sometimes my boys don't like it if I got to tell them harsh things, if I got to get on to them a little bit. Sometimes it's for their safety that I do. Now, why do I tell you this? Because some people will get so bent out of shape if somebody dare from the pulpit say something that offends them. If they get called out, well, I'm not going to go back to that church. They make me feel bad. Sometimes dealing with the Word of God and having the Lord speak to us means sometimes we're going to feel bad. He's going to convict. He's going to show us where we're falling short sometimes. And I want you to know God's heart is never to try to shame you, not try to beat you down and tell you you're a terrible Christian. Warn you. He wants to warn you and gently tell you, stop going that route. It's dangerous. It's dangerous for you, for your family, for your church. Stop doing that. That's what's going on in God's Word. So as we continue active with that, I don't want you to th- interact with God's Word. I don't want you to believe and think that it's Pastor Greg's beat down on you or God's beat down on on your faith. It's not at all. It's a warning. Now look at what Paul's warning is. Just move on in the verses. Verse 15 and 16 says this. It's a very interesting picture here. He says, even if you had 10,000 guardians of Christ, you do not have many fathers, many spiritual fathers. And he says, I, in Christ Jesus, became a spiritual father for you. It's an interesting picture. He says, it doesn't matter how many guardian angels you have around you, and a blessed thing that is, how, many, the, how much the presence of God you don't have, he's speaking into that church, many spiritual fathers. He's saying to them, you don't, you, have, you don't have available to you that many other believers who have had the time to mature in their faith. Now you've got to think back then, when Paul was writing this nearly 2,000 years ago, when God is directing his pen on that paper, he's going... The church is fairly new. I mean, you got to realize this time the term Christian wasn't even in use. I mean, they're just getting a, a beginning handle on what is this thing of following Christ and salvation through Him and being a church. I mean, it's just beginning. So there's, there's physically not that many people who had had the time to mature in their faith to be disciples for this church. So they got, a, they got an excuse, a little bit of an excuse, because there's not a lot of people to be examples for them. So what's our excuse today? All these years later, do you think we've had enough time since the church at Corinth to today to have enough people mature and develop that they can be spiritual fathers, meaning disciplers of others? Yeah, I think so. But you know what? It saddens me greatly. And when I look around, and I'll see in other churches and other places, and I, mean, I, just, I just know another, interact with enough churches to see it's such a sad thing when I see things like a children's ministry or a youth ministry or an outreach program or something like this where they, I mean, they can't even beg volunteers to show up. What was the commission on you and I? May Jesus gave it. Go and make disciples. Our job is as we mature in Christ, that we are to become, like Paul, spiritual fathers for that baby Christian, that one who's coming along. We're supposed to be the disciples over the next person. And it, it just irritates me when I see that we're looking at a generation that's being lost 
Because there's been a group of people, and this, is, I mean, this has happened through the ages, so many people who said, I don't care about leading the next person. I'm not going to be intentional in discipling somebody and growing somebody. I mean, the idea of being a spiritual father or a spiritual mother over, some, uh, over another person, for a lot of us, is a very foreign idea. We don't even think our, of ourselves in that way, that I'm being a, a spiritual father or a spiritual grandparent or whatever over a child, a youth, a neighbor. I mean, even age doesn't really matter because you can come to Christ anytime to be a discipler. I mean, I can kind of understand in that day because there weren't a lot of mature Christians in that day, but there are plenty now. I mean, Paul's heart is broken for them because it says, there's just not that many available. He goes, that's why I became a father to you. Then there's that verse 16. Verse 16 just, it gets me every time. It's one of the most interesting verses, I think, in the New Testament. Paul says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And that's gutsy to say that, right? I urge you, he's telling this church who's struggling, he's saying, I want you to do what I do and say what I say and live how I live. I urge you to imitate me. Now, if Paul's saying that, he is one of three things. He's either A, perfect, two, arrogant, or D, confident. And yes, I did just say A, two, and D, just to see if you're awake. Some of you are like, he said what? I'm just checking you on this morning. He's either perfect, arrogant, or confident. He's not perfect. Paul's never going to claim perfection. He says, I still don't do the, I do the things I'm not supposed to do. I don't do what I am supposed to do. He's, he doesn't get it all right. Paul, I don't think, is arrogant. He's not saying, look at me. I'm the best Christian ever. I've got it figured out. Oh, I'm extra special. Just do what I do. We, never, we don't see that kind of attitude from, from Paul. That he's constantly checking himself in his pride and saying, this is not about me, this is about Christ. But what is he? He's confident. Confident in what? In himself? No, that would be the arrogance. He's confident in the Lord. He's confident in his standing with the Lord. He's confident in his walk with God. He's confident knowing what I'm doing every day. I may mess up, I may falter, but I'm trying the best I can to walk with God and grow in Christ and I'm confident in it enough to say follow me, imitate me now should I ask for hands who's confident enough this morning to say to somebody else, imitate me and friends, I don't want to be asked that question so I'm like, no I'm, I, I may be warm, a little bit more like well do what I say, not what I do I'll tell you how you're supposed to live, but yeah, just ignore how I ignore all that. I mean, isn't that usually the attitude we take? I mean, really, I'm talking, I'm preaching to myself here because to be able to get to the place where you can say to another person who's trying to grow in Christ and say to that person, follow me, imitate me. Look at the things I do and how I interact with God in my life and how I trust Him through trials and how I work in the church. Look at me, imitate me, just follow behind me. I mean, that is, that's a, 
awesome place to get to, but I would say for a lot of us, it seems like a long distance away. Imitate me. See, but what Paul's doing here is he's hit on a deep truth. He's, he's t- reminding us, and what I see here is being reminded that we all are imitators. I mean, think about it. When a child is born, how do they learn? They imitate what they see. You put a newborn child in a room with no stimulus, no, uh, no words, no sounds, doesn't get to see anybody walking and all that stuff, you just make sure that that child has enough nutrition to survive, you know what that child will never do? Walk, talk, all the things. Because that's how it's, we don't, when we, we see a child talking, we don't start a child with ABCs. They imitate the sounds coming from us. They learn our language through imitation. I mean, we see it in little children all the time. I mean, we go beyond that when, when little babies turn into kids. I mean, what do kids do? They love to imitate somebody else. Now, I know I can tell when my boys come home it, who they've been hanging out with because they start their life in this thing that other friend liked. Or they say things the way that friend says them. I, get, I start going, I'm really careful who you're going to be hanging out with. I mean, they love to imitate. It doesn't change when we get older. Think about teenagers. I mean, I, you have seen teenagers who will go to unbelievable lengths to be cool, you know, t- so they can imitate somebody else. I mean, what is the, I've seen the trend. I don't know if it's even trendy right now, but there was, I remember back when I was in high school, I've seen a few times the, the ripped clothing, you know, find a perfectly good pair of jeans and go tear it up and slash it and make it dirty and make it wrinkly. Why? So I can be cool. Because she's doing it or he's doing it and they look cool. Imitation, right? We want to fit in. We want to imitate. You think, well, not as an adult. We've grown out of that. We've matured. Friends, don't fool yourself. And today, even as we grow up out of that, well, I want to make sure I'm in the right social group, we still are imitators. We're going to get out what we put in. The Bible says you reap what you sow. If you put around you a lot of negative stuff, a lot of sinful stuff, a lot of just stuff that God didn't want, that's going to start coming out of you. You know, if you're saying, why, I don't know why I speak the way that I do. Why do I gossip or why do I use that foul language or why do I talk to people like that? What are you putting in? I'm, a, I'm just going to promise you, go look at what you're putting in, what you're allowing to influence you because you will imitate what you put around you. You may think we love to be individualistic, and that's just a lie. We are imitators. We will repeat back what's being put in us. God has been telling us and telling us and telling us that. When we put bad stuff in our head, guess what comes out? In our thoughts and in our words. We're imitators. So Paul is saying, he's realizing that the church back then had the same problem that we do today, that they're imitators, and there's plenty of bad things to imitate. So he's saying, look at me, imitate me. He's realizing the the incredible importance of giving other people a good example to follow. I go back to this, friends. I, I hear people talk all the time. It's so sad that the younger generation, they're walking away from church. Well, who are they imitating? Maybe there's another generation that's not been walking away from church. 
But we have seen, and again, not necessarily by age, friends, but we have seen a growing number of people deal with their faith, with their Christianity, as like it's a social club. It's just something to do on Sundays, but I don't live it out. This younger generation, they're seeing fewer and fewer examples of real faith lived out daily that impacts a person's life. So they're saying, why do I need that? I'm going to imitate what the world says. Because that they say I can have peace and happiness and all this stuff. Paul is saying there's, it's so important that he gives a good example. He is saying, I, I want to be strong enough that I can say to somebody else, imitate me. He takes it seriously because he knows what's on the line. He knows what's on the line, that the people are faltering and they're slipping. And he's got to say, all right, you guys are unsure. Just look at me. I'm doing this. I have been through some of what you've been going through. I can, I'm walking the walk. Just come with me. So what does this tell us? What reminders has this given us? That part of our job, as Christians, part of the responsibility you and I take on when we say, I'm going to be a Christ follower, is one, we have to have somebody who's discipling us. We need to have someone over us that we can be encouraged by and taught by. I don't care what age you are or how long you've been in church, there's always somebody you can find who's got a strength in the faith that you don't, that you can connect with and say, I really need your encouragement in this. We should always have those kind of spiritual fathers and mothers in our life that are feeding into us and teaching us. The problem is a lot of us take the attitude, well, I would like that, but I'm going to sit back and wait till that person comes. I say, God, would you just bring that person to my life? And God is saying, get up off your tail and go find them. Go out there. Go, go. You see people all day with strong faith. Go up and say, can we just start sitting down for coffee? Would you mind calling me every other day? Let's pray together. Let's, I see you're, you're good at this. You're going to encourage that person, and that person's going to be a pour into you. You should always be being discipled. But at the same time, we should be doing a place where we're always at a place ready to disciple someone else. We should be taking it seriously that we should be able to look at somebody else and say, I know I'm not perfect. I'm not going to get it all right. But I am really walking with, trying to walk with God. I want you to imitate me. I got, you, you have something you can pour in to somebody else. You want that next generation to do the things that have been important to you? Start imitating them. Now look what Paul does. I, I love this next. One more little thing out of this, understanding what's going on here. Put the verses back up for us. Verse 17 this morning has something kind of awesome into it. He, then he says, Paul goes, for this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, not his physical, biological son, his spiritual son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. He says, what Timothy is going to teach you and, and preach to you is the same thing I'm preaching everywhere else. This is so cool. See, Paul, he came to know the Lord. He grew, he was discipled, he had he had other apostles over him who brought him up. And Paul became a disciple. Timothy's his spiritual son. He's not Timothy. Timothy didn't know anything. Came to faith through Jesus Christ. And Paul led him through discipleship to the place where now he's able to say, 
My son is going to come be a discipler for you. We're going to have some spiritual grandchildren, right? The next generation and the generation after because I don't necessarily have to be there. I've got one I'm going to send because he's learned the things I've learned. Don't you see the picture? He's passing it on. He is passing it on to the next generation to say, here you go, Timothy's got it, he's going to come teach. Listen to him. Again, this idea of I'm living my faith in such a way that I'm encouraging someone else, that I'm growing someone else to the point that they can now go and do it for another person. That is the picture of discipleship. So we get hit with this question. Internally, to each one of us, are we living in such a place that we could say, imitate me? Are we living in such a way that somebody else is constantly encouraging me, teaching me, feeding into me, so I'm still growing? And am I living into a place that I can find somebody else and say, imitate me? I'm going to take you on, a young child or youth or neighbor who I'm trying to disciple in Christ. I've got a good friend of mine who's my age you know, who is just, he's just beginning in Christ. Well, that's, that's great. I'm glad he's there and he needs a discipler. And I want him to be able to disciple someone else as he grows. We should see this day after day. Can we really say, imitate me? As we're thinking about this, I told you there's two ways to look at the passage. There's kind of the literal, which we've just discussed. We've talked about Paul is saying to them, Imitate me, and it's kind of laying out the example of you should be doing the same. Here's the product. I'm sending you Timothy. And he's saying, I'm going to come back one day to see how you're doing. But it's kind of a symbolic way of looking at you. What if we replaced the people that we're talking about in this passage, Paul, Timothy? What if we replaced those with other people? Now, this is an illustration. I don't want you to think that I'm making a direct comparison. But what if for just one second, we take how Paul was talking about his self, his role, and make that Jesus. When we talk about, look at Timothy, how Paul was saying, I'm sending Timothy to teach you to be there until I come back. Let's make that the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not calling Paul Jesus. I'm not saying he was perfect like Jesus or saved us, nothing like that. I'm not saying Timothy is the Holy Spirit, nothing like that. But if, what if we take the things that are being talked about and apply it to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Doesn't it still ring true? What has Jesus been trying to say to us? He's been trying to say, I love you, dear children. I am your father. I am the spiritual father of of your growth, of you coming into new life. I did it for you. I want you, if you're not sure how to live, imitate me. That's why Jesus came and lived. He didn't just come one day and die on the cross the next. He lived. He ministered. They wrote it down in a book so we could read about it. He says, imitate me. When we see how he treated people. We see where he preached. We saw the things he stood for. I mean, he is the embodiment of God, the Father. He said, I mean, Christ, look at me. Act like I act. Do the things that I do. And Jesus, after he died for us, he was saying, I am sending you. Just like Paul saying, I am sending you, Timothy. Paul, Jesus said, I am sending you the Holy Spirit. To those who have received me, you receive the indwelling of the Spirit so he can t- teach you and direct you and encourage you and counsel you and convict you. So you know if you're doing the right thing or not. Because one 
day I am coming back. How am I going to find you? Are you going to live arrogantly thinking that I'm not coming back for you? Are you going to live arrogantly thinking that you can live however you want to live, it won't catch up with you? That you can waste the talents I gave you? That you can refuse to teach the next generation? You're going to live arrogantly? That day I come back, it might be a tough day. <laughs> Are you going to live in such a way, when I come back, it's going to be awesome for you? I mean, don't you want to know that the day the king comes, he says, come on in. Come on in. Thank you for having faith. I thank you for living that faith out daily. Or do you want to stand for the king to say, I never knew you you never gave your life to me. You lived for yourself. You lived arrogantly. So here's the reminder. Right? The king is coming. Dad's coming home. How's he going to find us when he gets here? When that day comes and our name is called, and I take this last earthly breath, and I stand before him. I know I can't stand and say I was perfect. Far from it. But is that going to be an awesome day? Because I tried to take everything he gave me and live it out. Or I'm going to have to admit I lived arrogantly the days of my life. How we answer that question is, can we really say to someone else, imitate me? Friends, I don't know where you are, but that's a good challenge for us. I told you, this church that we're dealing with, Church of Corinth, was a sick church. They were really struggling. They're going to see it next week, how ugly it was getting in that church. And I've already told you the end of the story, how they listened to the direction of the Holy Spirit through the writings of Paul that was directed by God, and they changed. Did they get perfect? No. They changed and started going back to the things they're supposed to do. They became, they went from a sick family to a healthy family. It's still possible for churches today. But if any church, any church member, any, any follower of Christ tries to live arrogantly, look what happens. I don't say that to shame you. I say that to warn you. As God's dearly beloved children. Can we really say to some? Are we living in such a way that we have confidence enough to say, imitate me? Let that be our guide while we wait for the king to come. Why don't you pray with me this morning? Let's go before the Lord right now. Let's seek him in these few moments we have together. As I talk, I want you to just go ahead and begin to change your focus right from anything I'm saying just up unto God. Just begin to talk to him and pray to him and seek him in this very moment. Because I want you to hear, I want you to know, and I want you just to let the truth of it hit you for a moment, that the king is coming. The king is coming. He is coming back for us. On that day, how are you going to stand before him? Are you confident? Not perfect. No, no, no. None of you are going to claim perfection. But are you confident that you are striving daily. You're getting up, you're starting your day, I am trying to walk with God today. 
I'm trying to do the things he would have me do. I'm putting the things around me that I can imitate that are good things, good people. I mean, Christ followers. Am I getting to a place where I can say to somebody else, follow me, imitate me? Or am I just living in such a way where I could say to someone, do what I say, not what I do? And nobody's going to hear them this morning is going to claim that you got it all right. But are you walking the road intentionally of growth in Jesus Christ? If not, let's deal with the Lord this morning. If, if you're not there in that place, if you've been living arrogantly, and you don't get that because from what the pastor said, but just the Lord has put that on your heart, living arrogantly, let's confess it. So just take it for him and admit it, confess it, repent from it. Let's deal with it today. Just in these few moments of prayer, even right now, just because I'm talking doesn't mean you can't do it. Even right now, as you're just with heads bowed and eyes closed before God, just begin already to say, God, forgive me for living so arrogantly like it won't matter. Tell him right now. God is going to call you to a place of commitment. He may be calling you this morning to go to that person, uh, that man or that woman that you know, that is, you just, you, there's such an example of faith uh, to you, to go to them and say, can we start spending time together? Would you pray with me? Would you talk with me? Can we get together for coffee and, and, and to spend, so I can learn from you? You may be called this morning. May God has put it on you to say, there's that young person over there. There's that new believer over there that really desperately needs somebody to be in their life, and he's calling you to do it. You take that seriously. Because God has called you to imit- be able to live in a place where you can say to others, imitate me. And you can only do that as you imitate Jesus Christ. That's the commitment this morning. I want to pray for you after we do. You have a time of response. You have a time to say, Lord, what will I do? Heavenly Father, we come into this place and we thank you for this reminder. We thank you for the imperfect life of Paul who was still able to say with confidence, imitate me. We thank you for the perfect life of Jesus Christ who never fell short, who is the true example, who is the one who dealt with our sins. God, it is by faith in Him, and faith alone we are saved. But then it's, God, then we work out that salvation. Then we progress the faith of our life. And some of us really struggle in those ways. God, so let us aim for the perfection of Christ. And let us try to live in the confidence that Paul displayed for us. Striving and seeking to live for Jesus every day. God, I pray for the people here this morning. I know there may be some hearts here, some individuals here who desperately need to just get back on track. They've been sitting on the sidelines. They're not imitating anybody else, and they're nowhere in a place to have somebody imitate them. Well, thank you, God, that you are a forgiving God. Thank you that you will say, even when we've been like that, all right, I forgive you. Get back up off the mat. Let's go again. There are some people who desperately need to have that kind of heart and attitude today. God, teach us to be people who are growing ourselves and growing others. We thank you for this time of commitment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.